The Athen Real Talk podcast explores controversial ideas to stimulate debate and active thinking. These ideas do not always reflect Athen's personal views. Welcome to the Athen Real Talk podcast. He has been called the best gamer in the world, hands down. World famous gamer and philanthropist Athen. Gaming for good, it's called, has raised more than $20 million. Using his notoriety to raise money for charity. On activism, science, culture, and self-development. I'm proud to have him in the studio today. I would not want to take you on in a video game. I'm going to talk about the fundamental rhetorical logical framework starting from completely the essence of the essence. And it tackles a lot of existential questions. And it really shows you guys where I start thinking and how from where I start thinking it grows to the point where my framework is where it is now. So it's really like just very, you know, pure using reason, how I come to be who I am. And I really go to the essence of the essence of certain questions, really at the core. And I build things up. So before I start, right? Well, actually, this is the start. And this is also where the emotional connection is. On a fundamental level, I trust that I can understand reality. And this trust in wanting to understand reality and believing that I can understand reality gives me basically control and brings about safety. And I believe I trust on a fundamental level I can really understand everything using reason. It's also something, like that's also what Spinozism is. When you look at Spinoza, he thought and he believed that everything could be understand and understood through reason. Same with Einstein. I believe everything has a logical answer. I trust that. And I trust that on a fundamental level so deeply that even if I'm confronted with a question that I would think there is no way there is a rational explanation I do know on a fundamental level I do trust on a fundamental level there is an answer and that answer that understanding gives me the ability to understand the patterns which then allows me to to have more control brings about safety and everything so that is the fundamental foundation even before I talk about everything else it is an emotion it is trusting that you can understand everything through reason because if you don't think reason or logic or whatever is a parameter on a fundamental level, right? If you, for example, rather trust God or spirituality or whatever, then on the essence level, you're already going wrong. You already are unaligned with reality. So on a fundamental level, I do believe truly and I trust that everything has a logical answer. And it goes further. It's almost like I completely submit to it. It's like almost like someone that is really religious and really believes in God. Well, I really believe that everything has a logical answer. And what people find safety in the Bible or whatever, I find safety in understanding things. I cannot stress this enough because this is something that very few people have. Very few people go through life and find their safety in trusting and understanding reality. Very few people. But it is that, truly that, on a fundamental level, right, that not only makes you question everything, but also turns you into a visionaire, an independent visionaire. And of course, it's a big struggle, definitely when it's about understanding emotions. But the same with emotions. You can understand all your emotions. No matter how deep they are, no matter how sick you are or whatever, everything can be understood. And it's understanding that that gives you control. 
whether it's understanding what you have, you know, on a biological level or whatever, it gives you control, it brings safety, and you can trust it. I'm emphasizing this really a lot because without this, without understanding that everything has an answer, every question you have has an answer, every single one of them has a logical answer. It's quite a, a liberating idea if you can completely embrace that. But of course, the moment I say that, some people might have a lot of questions. Say like, I don't know. Why do you have the Big Bang? Why do we exist? Why do you have gravity? You can start asking all these questions immediately and say like, no, nothing. Like, there has to be a creator, right? There has to be spirituality. There has to be a soul. You have all these questions that come up, that come from this existential doubt. And my response to that is you can find safety in reason and understanding reality more so And I will go through this process where I answer every single question. But I build it up from the beginning. Because if you have a certain question like who created the Big Bang, for example, that question assumes a lot of other premises. For example, that time exists or space exists. That there was something like before the Big Bang. That a creator is maybe something like, you know, divine being where it is a projection of you. There's a lot of existential questions that have a lot of assumptions that if you really break them down and analyze them, you come to certain aspects where you can diffuse the question by understanding which assumptions you have made within your question that didn't make so much sense. What is the most essential question you can ask? Where does everything start? And I already said, like, I'm using reason and logic. That's what I trust rather than spirituality and such. And I will immediately already say why. Because if you believe in spirituality or in a God or in a creator, you are assuming your ability to construct beliefs. In order to be able to construct beliefs and even believe in something, you need to have a consistent patterns. If you don't have the ability to memorize anything or you don't have the ability to connect past with the future or make connections, then even the action to just believe in something already requires quite some premises. So this framework, this consistency is built on, you know, patterns that give you even the ability to ask the question. Because even if you just ask the question, what is the essential question, right? You're already assuming that you can ask yourself a question. And the sore ability to ask a question already requires a consistent framework. So this consistent framework that we all assume and take for granted when we go through life, that on itself is brought by very rigid patterns that I think can be understood. So that's already an argument why spirituality or God or all these things is already contradicting itself. Because if you assume there is patterns that bring about consistency, that are rigid, that are outside your ability and your assumption to be able to make these thoughts and beliefs, you're already contradicting yourself. It's called a performative contradiction. So being able to ask yourself the question, the premise to do so, requires consistency and requires you to exist. And when I say it requires you to exist, like what I mean, it requires you to have the ability to ask yourself the question. And that doesn't mean that these two are absolute, because that's the beauty. Am I sure that I'm even asking the question? Because when I ask myself the question, what is the fundamental existential question you can ask yourself? That question on itself requires premises that I'm even asking the question in the first place. You might say like a teen, this is weird. Like, obviously you're asking the question. Is that the case? Because I'm assuming space and time when I assume that I'm asking the question. 
because just pronouncing the question and creating the question requires a time interval. If I take away the time interval, then when do I ask the question? So I need a when and where, and when you look at physics and when you look at reality, when and where is a lot more fragile on a fundamental quantum level than we think. So even assuming that you ask the question, it's almost like it's an axioma. You have to assume that you're doing something. You have to assume you exist. But doing so requires you to assume space and time exist, and you can't even do that if you look at reality and quantum mechanics where things even can go back and forward in time. So basically, this brings about the first very solid logical pillar. You don't know for sure. You cannot know for sure its probabilities. When you even ask yourself the question, right, what is the fundamental reason, you know, existential question you can ask, you have to assume that your answer might be wrong. And that such a thing as absolutes is not part of the equation because you then assume that you exist. And you assume that even your absolute truth can exist. And just existence on itself, you can't be sure about it. And you might say, like, no, I think if there is one thing I can be sure about, it's that I exist. Then my question to you is, when? When do you exist? So, like, I exist uh, yesterday, uh, my entire life. Okay, so what if I clone you right now? Did you exist yesterday? No, because these memories are wrong, but these memories come from somewhere. But then the assumption that you come from the past, that's already an assumption. So everything you believe right now might have just arised right now. So basically, you cannot assume the past to be sure. What about the future? And still say like, yeah, like I can cease to exist right now if maybe, you know, everything ceases to exist. So you can't be sure about the future either. So if the past is an assumption and it's not absolute, and the future is an assumption and not absolute, then the only thing you're left with is the now. You can say like, yeah, I'm sure that I exist right now. That's the only way that you can analyze the situation. I'm only sure what is absolute is that I exist right now. And for a lot of people, you have to really reflect on this. Because when you start understanding this, this really can create paradigm shifts. But you existing right now is intangible. What is now? What is the moment now? And that's where it becomes very scary. Because if you look at consciousness, right... You need a certain time interval to even be able to experience. When you go smaller than that, there is no way you can even have the neural activity that can bring about a thought. And then here comes a very interesting one. Because you might say like, yeah, 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 a thing. But now what you're doing is you're using reality. Because I'm going to play really the advocate of the devil here and go really very strong rhetoric. I bet nobody would even give these arguments. But I'm saying them so people understand how well thought and structured these ideas are. You could say like a thing you're assuming that reality overrides experience, but without experience you don't have reality. So what you're actually doing is you're using what brings about reality, which is your experience, in order to contradict that experience could exist. And that on itself is not logical because you can't use what flows out of it as an argument that what flows out of it is not true. Like, let's say this would all be a dream. You can't use what you experience and all these things within your dream as a way to discard that you're dreaming to begin with. But the thing is, though, like, when you think about the now, because the reason why I'm giving these answers is because people can more easily wrap their head around. Because if I just go like, yeah, But how do you grab the now? You can't grab the now. It's always gone. The moment you say now, it's already in the past. 
it requires a deeper understanding and more awareness to wrap your head around that argument, even though that is the strongest one that can be given. The now does not exist because the now is infinitely small and expressing yourself takes place within a time frame. And if you try to do it like, okay, let me just focus on the now, you can't grab it. It's always in the past because the time it takes for you to even create a memory requires a time interval that took place in the past. So you can't be sure you exist right now either. So if you can't be sure that you exist and you got to assume that you exist and you got to assume that you make the statement, what is the deepest existential question you can ask? You can assume that everything is probabilities. The beauty, of course, also with that is when you then look into reality and facts, right? Quantum mechanics describes the same thing. Everything on a fundamental level is probabilistic. And there is certain people that disagree with that. And the reason why they disagree with that is not so much because science does not show that, but rather because on a fundamental level, they have this deterministic emotional trust in a soul or whatever. And that's where they get their safety from. And when they have to assume that even they might not exist, their identity breaks down. Because then you have to assume that you might not exist. Everything you believe in, everything you're attached to might not exist. And since the brain works very binary, it requires you to let go, to go to identity death. And that is something, you know, that is hard for people to wrap their head around because most of the time, the way you think and the way you act is driven by emotion rather than by reason. And when there is a discrepancy, your emotions tend to just overwrite your cognitive abilities and become defensive and go like a teen. This is bullshit, a teen. This is not true because you don't allow yourself to think in that direction, even though it is correct and it is accurate. Same with like when you talk to someone about God or the Bible and you pinpoint inconsistencies in the Bible, the person can become very defensive. So that is why at the start of the talk, truly trusting that everything has a logical answer is a fundamental requirement to even be able to understand everything I'm talking about. Because if you don't trust that, and since we are emotional beings, that's how we work, and you trust something else like souls or spirits or whatever, you won't even allow yourself to accept this, what I'm talking about. You won't even allow yourself. You will push it away because you feel threatened. But I can just tell you, this is where you can gain the most safety that you will ever get. Of course, you might say like, yeah, but Athene, I don't have the abilities, I don't have the capacities to come up with all these answers. Try it and do it step by step. And that's also what the click was, you know, but either way. So the most fundamental question you can ask is even if you're asking the question to begin with. And that immediately comes to assuming that you exist and you're asking that question. And since existence cannot be absolute, you have to just start assuming and thinking in probabilities. And that's a big insight to begin your entire formulation. There is no such a thing as deductive reasoning. There is only inductive reasoning. What is deductive reasoning? Deductive reasoning assumes always hidden premises, which are fundamentally inductive. Deductive reasoning means you have a formula and you have premises and you can, with true accuracy, with absolute accuracy, derive a conclusion. While inductive reasoning requires you to assume certain things and work with probabilities. What I'm just saying right now is deductive reasoning does not exist. You might say like, yeah, but if A is 4 and A plus B is 9, then B is 5, right? There is no way this is not inductive. This is deductive. That's not true. 
because assuming that 4 is just tangible and 5 is tangible and A is tangible and B is tangible requires a framework where numbers can exist, where letters can exist, where even math can exist. And these are all premises that you exist to be able to even deduce it. And these are all hidden premises that circumvent your ability to understand, oh, actually, it is an inductive reasoning because the hidden premises are not certain. It's a very interesting insight that I've never seen anyone talk about, which can really give a lot of existential answers to questions that before were deemed to be impossible. Because everything is inductive, everything is probabilities, and you can't be certain. And now you might be one snarky guy in the chat saying like, yeah, but I think if everything is possibilities and probabilities, then isn't it certain that everything is probabilities? Is probabilities self-contradicting itself because maybe that is a certainty? That's not true because you can't be sure about that either. Because you've got to assume you exist and you even make the question. So being trapped inside the question is already a contradiction because you assume that you exist. Either way, so everything is probabilities, but even that is an assumption because i got to assume I exist to make this claim to begin with. So it's quite interesting. So, okay, we build on everything is probabilities, then let's assume I exist. So if I assume that I exist, right, we can already start building. I know what is even more important than me existing is I can't be sure, and that makes it already that I cannot be attached to any answer I come up with along the way. Quite beautiful. No matter which answer I come up with and I build on it, I cannot be attached to it. And that's why I have such an easy time to change my beliefs. Because I know on a fundamental level, I can't be sure. So no matter what belief I adopt, I know on a fundamental level, where I get my safety from is that that belief might be flawed. And that brings about an extremely moldable neuroplastic framework that is extremely enriching. But of course, even more important is to trust that everything has an answer and finding your safety in that. Because if that is not the case, then it doesn't matter so much. You just push it away. So, okay, let's assume I exist. Everything are probabilities. Then it's about what is more or less likely. And this is already what breaks down all these arguments of, yeah, Everything is brought about experience. There's a lot of these philosophical quacks. I call them really quacks because it's literally intellectual masturbation. It doesn't even make so much sense what they say. That like to bring up as the ultimate argument, no matter what you say, there is no such a thing as an objective reality. Therefore, your claim is invalid. And the reason why they do that is because they use the uncertainty to dismantle any argument because you can't be sure. And then they use their own existence as the fundamental truth. But since I've already debunked that too, that you can't be sure that you even exist, you can't use experience as a fundamental foundation either. And when you start looking at it all from probabilities rather than from certainties, then it's not about whether you can have an objective reality or not, independent of the experience or the subject or existence, but what is more or less likely. And then the discussion becomes very different because what is the chance that your ability to speak, that your ability to breathe, that your ability to eat is defined by a framework that is required for you to do these things. So what is the chance that your ability to think requires certain patterns that without these patterns, you wouldn't even be able to do so? I'm saying it in a very pure, simple way. So what is the chance that through your experience and existence, you can override the patterns that are required for you to exist. 
and that basically your existence is higher than the patterns that bring about existence? That's the question. What is more likely? It's not about what is the truth. No, because we already discarded it. What is more likely? And the beauty with that is if you don't get to eat, if you don't get to sleep, if you don't get to go through life in a simple way, you experience it in your brain. Your ability to even think and question things gets completely decapitated. You need a certain reality framework, a certain objective reality. And when I talk about objective reality, let me define it. Objective reality is a reality that exists even when you stop believing in it. It's like gravity. When you stop believing in gravity, it's still there. On the other hand, money, if everybody stops believing in money or in America or in Google or Apple, these things do not exist anymore. So they only exist within this intersubjective world. And the thing is that like, to which extent is these things where I stop believing in them, these patterns that seemingly bring about what I am are required for me to exist? Because if that is highly likely, which is something that you can even experience, and everybody that is truly honest would agree with that, you can say, reality defines my existence. It's more likely that reality defines my existence. And when I say reality, it's all the patterns, all the mathematical, well, mathematical framework. That's our understanding. That's the language we use to understand it. But these consistent patterns are required for me to exist. Then that these patterns are only there because I exist. It's more likely that you are subject to these patterns than that these patterns are subject to you. And this is the fundamental difference between a spiritual person and a scientific person. On a fundamental level, when you boil it down, a spiritual person thinks that these patterns are defined by them, while a scientific person thinks that you, your own existence, is defined by these patterns, which brings about the ability to look at things from more from a perspective, be a lot more objective, be a lot more practical and impactful in reality. You know, it also requires a certain honest relationship. Of course, there are both two sides on the same coin. You can't remove existence and you can't remove these patterns out of the equation. You need both. But one is subject to the other. And you might say like, okay, Athene, why do you assume that one is subject to the other? Because it's more likely if something falls onto my head or if I eat poison or whatever, I'm sick, I've experienced it. I know that my experience is subject to reality. If someone comes and punch me in the face, if I get burned or whatever, I experience I could even potentially die. So I could be in a coma and then wake up after a year. And the chances that I existed in between is very small. So it's not even about what is true or not. It's just what is more likely. I think I'm subject to this reality. And the other route really leads to delusions, just so you guys know. And what is a delusion? It's really something that goes against reality. Now you can ask, okay, Athene, you made your point quite clear because this is really fundamental talk. Okay, but these patterns, where do they come from? Let's say what you say is true. Like, let's take science. Where does the Big Bang come from? You need a creator. If you have something, you need to have something that created something, else it doesn't make any sense. Because you say everything makes sense. To me, it makes more sense there is a creator than there is none. And I will tell you, it does make more sense in that framework. And that's the reason why people believe in a creator, because it makes more sense. But it's not because it makes more sense in your framework that it is actually true. You assume that everything got created out of nothing, because that's the scientific answer. And because you don't have an answer to that, because you give up on trying to understand it, you just assume God did it. Because that's where you find your safety. 
You don't go ahead. And that's where it goes back to what I started the conversation with. Trusting that everything has an answer, a logical one, requires you to, on an emotional level, submit to it. So if you, on an emotional level, just get stuck and say, I don't have answers to these existential questions, you start experiencing fear, lack of control, and you just go like, yeah, God, or whatever. But the thing is, that's where I start answering questions and give potential answers that might not be true, but since everything is a probability anyway, I can do so. I can come up with a certain explanation that potentially can give an answer to these questions. And that is already good enough for me. A logical answer that allows me to really explain everything that I can find comfort in so I can move on because I know I won't be able to be certain anyway. And that's the beauty. The moment you start seeing everything in probabilities, then you become automatically more practical oriented because you know you can't know for sure anyway. So... What I did when I grew up, I found answers for everything that were satisfiable for myself. I'm not saying they are true, but they're satisfying. And I have to say that process of finding answers has gone through many iterations. I had certain answers in the past that didn't match my understanding and findings in science. I used to be more deterministic thinking, but I switched to probabilistic thinking because I realized that it was not aligned with our understanding of quantum mechanics. So I did go through several processes where I changed my beliefs. So what I'm saying right now, I can change it. When I get confronted with certain findings and stuff that make it so what I'm saying right now doesn't make sense, I think about it and I come with another answer that does make sense. So the Big Bang, how come we exist? It's quite an important question because, of course, I already said that even the ability to ask yourself the question is already assuming a lot of things. But let's take these assumptions to be the case. Next thing is, okay, why do we exist the thing? How come we exist? To give an answer to that from my own perspective and my own logical understanding, there is two scenarios. Either nothing exists or there is infinity. That's the only two things that make sense to me. And obviously, it's unlikely that it's nothing because I'm talking right now or at least I think I'm talking. So infinity makes more sense. And listen to me, infinity does not require a creator. You could think like infinity has been there always and will always be there. You don't need a creator. You just have infinity. That's it. And I have to think like what created infinity? Infinity is just, you know, infinity basically. But then you can say like, yeah, but why us then? Why me? If infinity exists, why come that we have this entire structure? Why did we observe the stars? And why is there a Big Bang if there's infinity? Why this specific thing? Is there then infinite amount of universe and all that stuff? So this is where it becomes very interesting. You only need to find the connection how infinity could bring about our reality to give an answer to that question. A satisfiable, logical answer to how infinity, infinite chaos, can bring about this order that we experience. The best way that I have come up with, with everything I've read, right, in science, my understanding of quantum mechanics, is basically quantum mechanics has literally deconstructed every single concept I have. When you read about quantum mechanics and start understanding that solid objects are just probabilities on a fundamental level and things pop in and out of existence, it really makes you discard everything. If you understand things can go back and forward in time and our entire understanding of what we are is just built on that, it's kind of deconstructs everything. Every single concept that I tried to use to explain why we're here got deconstructed by understanding the concepts. 
But as I went deeper and deeper, the most basic way of me being able to talk about something without there being something is to use binary information. It's to just reflect it in binary information, ones and zeros. Quite simple, just ones and zeros to even be able to talk about it. And you might say like, okay, if you have infinite ones and zeros, how do you create reality of a chaotic ones and zeros? How do you experience what we experience? But ones and zeros can already, even me talking to you right now, the sound you hear and everything is all data. It's all ones and zeros coming through the internet cables to you guys displayed on the screen and to your boxes. So you can imagine like, yeah, World of Warcraft, a virtual reality, we can literally already simulate an entire world with ones and zeros. So it's not such a far-fetched idea to just build on that. You might say like, okay, if you have an infinite amount of ones and zeros in chaotic way, how come you have structure out of that? How come we exist? And that, that requires you to understand a few things. The first thing is I exist. I assume I exist right now. And every time I even exist right now, I am a different iteration than the previous one. If I would be the exact same iteration as the previous one, then I'd be trapped inside a loop and wouldn't even be able to have this conversation. So me being able to speak requires change. I am constantly changing all the time. My now, my now package, to put it that way, if I would describe my consciousness, right, everything I experience, I would just have, you know, binary packages, information packages that are constantly ever-changing that bring about my experience. So, for example, if I would be to be simulated on a PC, you'd be able to go like, okay, this amount of bits bring about him saying this in this time interval or this person experiencing it in that time interval. So for people, it's 0.052 seconds or something. So that requires a certain amount of information to be able to experience that exact moment. And if you then add all the bits, every single package next to each other, you can build up someone's experience throughout an entire life. It's just a much longer string. But of course, that assumes it's deterministic. And of course, I think that's unlikely that it's deterministic. I think every single package, just the way they express themselves, everything can exist. If I built myself on the idea that there is infinity, every single decision I've ever made, I've made them. Every single way I could have talked to you guys, I've talked to you guys, anything could have happened to me. Because in infinity, anything can exist. But then you can still say, like, yeah, but why doesn't there pop a dragon next to you? Or why this specific being? Because if I am this information package, right? The consistent patterns that require me to understand and be able to experience consistency require these information packages to follow specific patterns. And if these patterns are not fulfilled, I wouldn't even be able to have memories to begin with. So you can already see like there is a lot of very rigid logical patterns within my information package that is my consciousness right now in order for me to exist. And then the question you can ask, rather than how does infinity bring you about, the question becomes, how come these consistent patterns exist within infinity relative to your consciousness right now? That's what the question becomes. And the answer to that question is beautiful, because I thought about this quite a lot, because I break my head around these things. It emerges naturally, because if you take infinite chaos, right, even in infinite ones and zeros, there is order. If you have infinite, then one will statistically be as widely common within infinity than zeros. Yeah, half-half, right? 
but one one will be a, a one in four chance that it expresses itself with infinity. One one, one four, one zero, one four, zero one, one four of the times, and zero zero one four of the times. And if you go further and further, the chances that they occur within infinity are more or less likely. Say, okay, that's interesting. Okay, I can understand that. But you already see that within infinite chaos, I've already found certain patterns. And then what you can deduce from that is if I am an information package, let's say I am an information package, I will automatically express myself within infinity if I do express myself in the most likely way. If my experience right now can be expressed through a big file or a small file, I will automatically be the smallest file because that is what emerges most likely from infinity. And the best way I can explain it is if you take a screenshot of a black screen on paint and you store it on your PC, you can store it as a BMP, which is a much bigger file than a JPEG because a JPEG uses compression algorithms to reduce the file size. But the file size is merely the amount of bits. So the JPEG file will be more common in infinity than the BMP. And that's all you need to describe why we have patterns of consistency. These are merely compression algorithms that automatically naturally emerge from expressing yourself in the most compressed version. And they follow the laws of physics. That's why there is gravity. That's why there is all these fundamental forces are merely entropic forces, to put it that way, that naturally emerge from infinity. The beauty about this is like, so like, yeah, but then, you know, if that was true, then you could just derive all the forces from entropy. What is entropic? Entropy is that any system goes from order to chaos. And the thing is, going from order to chaos is, of course, relative. What is order? What is chaos? So you need a reference frame, but let's not get too much into that. But the interesting thing is, is that the reason why things tend to go from order to chaos is just because it's more likely based on the physical laws we're subject to. But what I'm just saying is that these physical laws themselves do exist because they're more likely. Just like because of a gas spreading in the room is more likely, it is more likely for gravity to exist and emerge. And that, to me, is a very satisfiable answer to why we exist. We are merely the result of an infinite chaos where the reference frame, me, my own existence, is the most likely scenario to express itself in the way it expresses itself. And by doing so, my next version of me in time has to follow these patterns because going away from these patterns drastically reduce the chance for me to exist. It's quite simple. Therefore, reality and understanding reality is merely understanding the probabilities that have brought about me to exist within my commonness of my expression. It's always relative to the reference frame. That's why I also say, and I believe, I'm not sure of course, that entropic relativity is the theory of everything. Because you can change this into math. I mean, the beauty is when I looked into that, there is already uh, one professor in the Netherlands that has been able to describe gravity as an entropic force. If I would have to do physics and mathematics, this is where I would look. Because just like, for example, Einstein, when he looked at light, it was the idea that light was constant and time and space was not constant that made him come with the math. And here it's the same thing. The idea is that everything is an entropic force and I know where to look at probabilities and all that stuff, but it requires a lot of study, a lot of math, 
to even come up with these things. But it's a nice direction to think about. I'm not saying it is the case. I'm just saying it's a nice thing. But this answers for me, on a logical way, the fundamental question of why I exist, why are these gravity here, why does things happen, why do you have science? Because that's how deep I went. When I look at gravity, right, science says our only job is to measure it. We don't say why it's there. I think that's wrong. Scientists should also try and understand why gravity. Because it's when you ask yourself why lightning that you can understand how lightning works. And that's the beauty, you know, that's the beauty of on a fundamental level thinking that everything has an answer, a logical, a reasonable one. It brings about this way of thinking that gives you a very different view on things. You just see things for what they are. A lot less from intersubjectivity, a lot less from this spiritual angle. You just see things clear. You see things for what they are right in front of you because you allow yourself, because you're eager to understand, you're curious, you want to learn. Curiosity is something that is so much part of me. It's insane. I always want to learn. People sometimes think I'm cocky and I'm arrogant, but I want to learn. I want to be wrong because I learn when that happens. Thing is though, by thinking like that and really growing more and more into that direction, the gap between me and other people has only grown because most people don't trust logic and reasoning to this extent that they just settle. They settle for an unknown answer because they think they can't find it. And that's something I don't, I don't take a no for an answer. I always try to figure things out. And that's why I can also, when people ask questions in the chat, no matter what question you ask, I always have an answer. And it's a very solid one because I've already thought about these things. And when I get a certain problem, I break my head over them. I will give you guys an example. I was listening to, uh, I think it was Homo Deus, the audiobook, right? Or um, A Brief History of Humans, one of the two. And basically he said in the book that consciousness and experience might as well not exist. And it's just a side effect that even if you take it outside the equation, we would still work perfectly. Because why even exist? If the brain all works and everything, then why even exist? Why even experience? It's just a side effect. I know that this is a thing that a lot of people, like a lot of scientists, when they look at the brain and stuff and they go like, yeah, why do you need experience as part of the equation? And then you have these experiments where free will is questioned and all that stuff. But the problem is that when I heard that, it just didn't make any sense. But of course, I didn't have an answer. And I really broke my head over it. And it took me less than 20 minutes to figure it out. The problem is that in order to think like that, because he was building it from atoms and evolution, right? If things just keep evolving, then why do you need consciousness? Because everything is just a natural process of these physical laws. And that's it, right? Thing is that the reason why that is not accurate is because you assume that the sun is not more than the parts. And that is already not the case, obviously, because even if you look at atoms and electrons or whatever, things already behave differently. It is constantly all omnipresent that the sum is more than the parts. And you can only come to that conclusion that consciousness is not required when you just build on the parts and you take away the sum out of the equation. And the sum brings about awareness and consciousness and experience. And this experience has a feedback loop. It's an emergent property, but it has a feedback loop with the parts. And it is that feedback loop between the sum and the parts that allowed us to evolve so quickly. That's just one question that I thought about that really kept me busy. Another one was a paradox, like the hanging paradox, because I also believe there are no paradoxes. I think every single paradox is merely a lack of understanding or a lack of our logic being 
properly defined because you can sometimes even in logic have flaws. The hanging paradox is it was an unsolved paradox that I read on Reddit where basically a guy gets hanged and the judge says there is two things you will be hanged in the next five days on a weekday that is to be true absolute and you won't see it coming that's also absolute and the man goes like okay he calculates out it can be Friday because if it's Friday he would 100% know he would get hanged and the judge told him he wouldn't see it coming so since it can be Friday it can be Thursday either because if it would be Thursday he would know that it has to be Thursday because it can be Friday and therefore it can be Wednesday and therefore it can be Tuesday and therefore it can be Monday therefore he won't get hanged so he just goes to his cell he's very happy because he figured it out Wednesday the executioner comes and he gets hanged the judge was right that's the paradox because logically speaking the guy didn't make any mistake but that's not true the premise that people forget And this is really beautiful because when the judge gives the information to the prisoner, what is also part of the premise is that the prisoner knows this information. That's a hidden premise. Since the prisoner knows about it, he can debunk that he will get hanged. And as a result, the paradox itself becomes part of the equation. The prisoner is right. And because the prisoner is right, instead of certainly being hanged, what comes part of the equation is that every day, He's either hanged or not, including Friday, because the judge told him and because of the paradox being part of the premise too. And that's the crazy thing. Since the paradox becomes part of the premise and contradicts that he will be hanged, the reality that emerges from it is that every day he either gets hanged or not. And as a result, even Friday he can't be hanged or gets hanged. Thursday too, Wednesday too, Tuesday too, Monday too. And as a result, what the judge said was not a paradox because he included the paradox within the premise by telling it to his prisoner, which is a very interesting, it's very fascinating on a logical way how the paradox itself as becoming part of the premise basically makes it so it comes true. And you can basically write that down logically and it adds up. And it's very fascinating because when people just look at it, it's the hanging paradox, they forget to take the paradox as part of the premises. And that's the thing. That's the thing with a lot of people. We go through life assuming so many premises. We assume we exist. We assume time and space is there. We assume that what we say is what we say. There's so many assumptions and it is curiosity and really not taking these assumptions at face value that bring about these creative visionary ideas. Because you don't take anything at face value anymore. You just see things that other people don't see, not because it's not there, but because they don't allow themselves to see it. Because they assume. You guys assume so much. It's insane. Basically, all this to build the foundation framework. And then where we come, basically with everything I said, we come to a point where, okay, everything is probabilities. Reality is what I'm submitted to. And then everything becomes very practical. And from there on, it's just looking at facts and signs and just do what you got to do. And the reason why I have a moral compass, because that's another one, why be a good guy, is because it's very simple. It's because life itself brings life. And if life doesn't bring life, I would go against myself. It's very simple, you know. It's just build on that. In order to be consistent within a life framework of what brings about my existence, I have to, you know, follow life rather than death. And doing so in the biggest perspective. And that's where then evolution comes into play and contributing to a super organism and all that stuff. 
but once you get to that point, you come to these answers much more easily using the real talk because all these things make a lot of sense. It's quite simple. But if you don't trust, and that's the foundation, if you don't trust that everything has a logical answer, there is no way this entire journey would even take place. That's why me addressing questions like, oh, we got to move forward and this and that, when people argue with it, it always goes back down that they don't truly believe and trust that everything has an answer, a logical one. And they just, you know, are either have identity or... And that's why, for me, from a reality framework, I understand these things. And that's why I don't put so much effort in arguing with people unless I get to benefit from it or the superorganism gets to benefit from it. Because even I, that's the beauty, what am I? You know, when you look at what am I, what is existing? Because that's also one of the next existential questions that comes after existing is what am I? And the answer to that is like you are everything you experience and that includes your environment. And that is even the case from an objective reality where you just look at your neural activity. You're just your neural activity and that's what you experience and that's it. So excluding that, excluding the environment of what you are is not accurate. Also, you are more than just what you are right now. You are everything that led to the point of what you are, which is the culture, the language, everything. So you cannot disconnect yourself from others. Everything is part of the same thing. And I come to these exoteric answers, not through spirituality, but through pure logic and reason. If it wasn't for my parents, and if it wasn't for the parents of my parents, I wouldn't exist in the way I exist right now. So disconnecting them and falling back into this identity or ego is just flawed. It is dishonest. Even the idea of being honest on a fundamental level requires you to be able to trust honesty and know that honesty can get you anywhere. And that's what I say, like, it does. You can find safety in honesty and just finding answers in everything. I do understand when people get punished when they grow up or whatever or don't have the cognitive ability at that point to find certain answers that it's easier to start lying to yourself and being dishonest. But I can truly tell you that it is liberating to have this way of looking at the world. And that's why I have so much impact and that's why I have so much success and that's why I'm so good at rhetoric and that's why I achieve so much. It's because of the way I look at things. And I do understand that even these arguments don't hold up so much. And that's why I will speak the language of reality by achieving crazy stuff. And I will keep achieving crazier and crazier stuff. And people will not so much because of my rhetoric and my understanding and my vision start listening, but rather because they go like, man, this guy is achieving so much. But I just wanted to explain you guys this so you guys understand from the get-go, from a fundamental level, how everything can be constructed and have rational answers And to a certain point, it starts spreading like crazy. And of course, like there is some uh, branches that might be flawed here and there, but I constantly, you know, recalibrate beliefs if needed. And on top of that, what I also do is I never take what I believe as absolute. I always try to learn and grow. And that's all. Subscribe to youtube.com slash wins. Watch the live stream at twitch.tv slash Live. And follow the real Athene on Snapchat.